Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Ryan, it's that fantastic time of year again. The month of Movember is upon us. There is no better time than to pull out the executive razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter and get that face looking squeaky clean to grow out a magnificent moustache. For sports grad listeners, you can look and feel great and feel good knowing you're donating to a fantastic cause by heading to the link in our show notes to grab your first starter box for just $15 and get $10 off your second delivery. Inside, you'll find a range of top-shelf grooming products perfect for both men and women. So head to the show notes for more details and take advantage of that terrific offer. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ruben Williams and with me as always is the resolute Ryan Walker. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing fantastic, Rubes, and resolute is one of the great adjectives, we always struggle with that word, that we've heard on this podcast before. Um, I, I dare say it's got something to do with Movember. I, it, that's what comes to mind. You're probably thinking about the moustache I'm about to grow. Yes, absolutely. You are you are looking very fresh face on the, the start of the month, ready to see that uh, Movember Mo come out. So, yes. Well, firstly, thank you so much to you listening for being a part of the show and downloading and getting involved. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in. Today, we are talking to Iray Saban about how to launch a career in event management. If you're listening for the first time and thinking, what is this show? Who are these two guys? The Sports Grad Podcast is your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne, and Ryan is a graduate of Notre Dame, Australia in Perth. A few years ago, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together, and now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape or form that may be in the sports industry. I mentioned earlier, our guest today is Iray Saban, a stadium event manager at Marvel Stadium. Iray is a business event management graduate who has worked for Totem One Love as well as Tennis Australia as event or operations coordinator. Iray was awarded the Venue Management Association Young Achiever, uh, Young Achiever of the Year Award in 2018 and is also a Movember ambassador where he has successfully led Team Saban to raise over $125,000 for the Movember Foundation since 2016. Today, we're going to be talking to Iray about his involvement with Movember, giving the launch of their annual campaign, as well as his career in the sports industry. Iray, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Hey, Ruben, Ryan, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. Um, I'm a, I've been a follower of the Sports Grad, so I'm absolutely wrapped to get involved and very excited to what the next half an hour or so upholds. Iray, I must say that the moustache you've got at the moment lends its hand to one of a a Movember ambassador, one, one would think. What does uh, what does that role consist of? Yeah, before anybody tears my head off, it is coming off on Sunday. I can guarantee you that. I've just got a couple of few little, little videos I've got to record in, in anticipation for the campaign. But in terms of becoming a Movember ambassador, it's something I'm really proud to uphold, a role that I uphold with the Movember Foundation, and it's really championing what, what the Movember Foundation is all about. So um, the Movember Foundation that focuses on, on, on men's health, specifically across the pillars of um, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and, and poor mental health and suicide awareness. Um, as an ambassador, I really champion those values and also creating the awareness that goes with those. So that might include things such as, you know, presenting to the community and getting involved with the community, but also really championing and, and leading the way with the Movember causes and emphasising the importance of men talking up about what they're feeling, um, but then also making sure that men are, are doing the respective tests with prostate cancer and testicular cancer and then intertwining that all into my own Movember campaign, which we run under the Team Saban banner. But um, it's, it's a role that I really, really enjoy. Um, I've, I've been a part of the Movember teams um, for quite some time now and, and it's something I'm really passionate about because we are making some really positive headway in, in, in this space at the moment and we're getting men to talk a little bit more often and 
And again, we're getting uh, men to go and get checked a little bit more often as well, guys. Eero, why is Movember so important and what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, uh, in a quick little nutshell, um, Ruben, the, um, the Movember Foundation really is a big part of my life. Um, for me personally, I, I battled poor mental health in my early 20s. I was an average footballer at best. Um, I played local football and I spent more time off the park than on it. Um, did about six hamstrings, broken jaw, broken ankle. I was known as um, as a person that was just literally um, the fine man at the local football club because that was all I was good for. Um, That's right. You're, talk- the- you're talking to two other people who both play thirds VAFA football, so you're in big company. There's quality in the seconds and the thirds. Strings. I think six strings is almost me. It's all. It's usually maybe one just sort of in pre-season and one a little bit later on. So I'm, I'm sure we're probably in the same boat. Ah, oh, Ryan, mate, it is an absolute elite club once you get to the six-string club. It's um something that yeah. a lot of people have got into, but um, it's, no, it's, a, it, it, it's a good one to be involved with. But um, yeah, for for me, when I was you know that average footballer at best sort of mentality. Um, I found myself going into a pretty dark place, if I'm blatantly honest, and 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 sort of didn't realise what I was sort of battling, and um, thought it was just normal, and that was just how life was, and and the demons in my head was sort of what it was all sort of about. But I started to see a lot more blokes around the football club as well, um, you know, coming up to me and 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 telling me that there's there's a bit going on in their life, and and sort of just brushing it under the rug. And um, for me personally, I sort of brushed it under as well, and, and until I sort of. Um, had one of my closest friends actually um, attempt to take his own life by suicide and um, sort of opened up a can of worms for me. I sort of sat there and I said to myself, hey, um, we're battling something a lot bigger than that's just better bigger than me and my mate. Um, this is something that's gone on in, in a lot of young men's heads um, and we've got to start doing something about it. And, um, you know, as I was sort of having those thought patterns in probably early 2016, um, I was coming off the back of, of my father um, battling, prost- battling, battling prostate cancer, sorry about that, um, and effectively I, I lost my grandfather in Cyprus to prostate cancer and then my dad and his two brothers also got diagnosed with it and sort of sat there and I said, hey, this is the year we've got to do something about it and, and I had to join the Movember Foundation and it started off as, you know, just literally growing a mole and, again, with all due respect, taking um, having a bit of a laugh with it all but, um, you know, making light out of a, a really serious situation and, and we've been able to make some really fantastic inroads with it with the Team Saban November campaign. Um, which has been something that I've really prided myself on. And, and we're starting to see more men start to open up and talk about what they're feeling and, and making it a really comfortable environment, whether it's in these um, local football spaces or whether it's in the workplace, whatever it may be, really really making that um, that area really safe for men to start talking up and opening up about what they're feeling, but then also um, making sure they understand they've got all the tools uh, to go and get checked and, and keeping their, their health in check. One thing that I love about Movember is, you know, obviously so many people grow their mo uh, or, you know, uh, run a certain amount of kilometres or something to, to obviously raise money. But I think one of the other things is it's almost become the norm just to grow a mo in November. So even if someone isn't raising money, they can still sort of grow a mo and they're involved, don't you think? Like it's 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 quite funny in a way that... I guess um, how, what, what's the best way that listeners can contribute to Movember and, and get on board? Yeah, for sure. There's there's multiple different ways you can sort of go about it. I mean, first you can donate just to the Movember Foundation by heading to movember.com and, and making a donation there. But, you know, there's there's multiple ways that get involved. You know, when we talk about Movember, it's a men's health charity, don't get me wrong, but um, there's a lot of, you know, there's men in everybody's lives, whether it's your, your father, your brother, your son, whatever it may be, there's plenty of ways to get involved to support the men in your life. So you can, you know, you know, sign up and, and host a moment, which is a MO event, um, or you can also get involved by growing a MO or even just um, looking to run 60 kilometres throughout the month for the, the amount of men that will die by suicide um, here in Australia per day, uh, per, per um, month, sorry. Um, effectively, I think it is, or actually, I think it's a, a little bit more than that now. With with the new stats that have just realistically came out um, around the world, um, but effectively, there's plenty of ways to get involved. I, I mean, I, I I focus on you know growing your mowers as you boys can see now, um, but then I also make sure I keep moving um, and, and running those 60k's for the the 60 death by suicide around the world, um, and then effectively as well, you can. Um, you can uh, continue to get to one of those events, which is one thing that I focus on with, with one of the events that I do at the Royal Saxon towards the back end of the month. So there's plenty of ways to get involved um, and you can support your Mo Bros or Mo Sisters in, in multiple different ways along the month. 
Eray, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. There are plenty of people who would be listening to this podcast who are involved in grassroots sports and would be able to relate to your story. So what, what are some quick and easy things some of our listeners can do to get that conversation started? Yeah, I mean, we've all got friends, right? And, and this is the thing, you know, which we check in with another. And, you know, when you think about it, whether you pick up the phone or you see your friend for the first time, the first thing we say is, how are you going? And they say, good. Um, and then they turn around and say, how about yourself? And they say, good too. And you're both on your way and, and talking about, you know, the, the game that you guys are playing or whatever it may be, just going on in your day-to-day life. I encourage you all to dig a little bit deeper. So when, when you reach out, Rubes, when you speak to, to Ryan and you say, how are you, Ryan? And he says, good. Just say, mate, how are you actually going? Um, and, and push a little bit deeper with it all because, you know, some people sometimes people go through, you know, whether it's life, less, less lessons or challenges and look through the pandemic. People have lost their jobs. Um, people have, you know, forced to become school teachers in their own homes and, and men are staying home more than ever before. So ask them how they're handling the pandemic. I mean, we're always afraid to ask these really challenging questions. I challenge you guys and, and all the listeners out there to challenge your friends, challenge them a little bit deeper to, to ask another question and go a little bit deeper. So when they say they are going well or they are going good, ask them again, how are you really going? And then ask them about the challenges of their life. How have you handled the pandemic? How's life at home? How's stuff with your partner? Whatever it may be, dig a little bit deeper and have some really meaningful conversations. And um, if you need help with some, you know, sort of conversation starters as well, head over to the Movember page as well at movember.com.au and, and, and sort of pick apart the um, the tools that they've got there as well because we need to start having some more honest conversations at these grassroots levels but in our day-to-day lives as well. And it's all about, you know, not just scratching the surface but also digging a little bit deeper. I think that's such a valuable and easy thing to just to, to add to your regular catch-ups and you you probably you probably can hear by the uh venting that went on before we got on air between ryan and us we uh we're not afraid to dig a bit deeper with, with each other <laughs> i think it, i think as well it's it's like you said it's a bit of a language thing like if i said to you rubes hey oh like i'll literally say hey how you going it'll be like yeah good mm. how are you and we'll say good but like you could almost just change it to like oh like how are you feeling today like, mm. I feel like that just completely changes the for question. Sure. Like, for me at least, if you said how I'm feeling, mm. I'm like, oh, well, yuck, you know, how am I feeling? But if you said, hey, guy, I'm like, yeah, good. Like, it's all good. Like, it's not really yeah. a question. Like, so, it's, kind of like a, it's kind of like a trigger because you're so used to hearing how you're going. So, you're so used to delivering the same response. So, yeah. just that simple change in language forces someone to think differently about their answer. Yeah. yeah and and w- one thing I sort of run with is, is uh, mate, score your day out of 10. And then if they turn around and say it's a six, well, the six could be really good and the six could be, well, well they're generally sitting around a ten. Why is it a six? Then all of a sudden they elaborate a bit more, oh, this happened and this happened or whatever it may be. All of a sudden you've already got the conversation starting. And, again, this doesn't have to be a formal setting. Like I've had some of my greatest conversations with my friends over a feed, you know, go out for a dinner or even go for a coffee or go for a walk around, um, you know, the local suburbs or whatever it may be. The, the setting is always available. You know, it's, it's not that you have to make it a formal setting. It can be the most relaxed setting ever. Um, and it just opens up the conversation. You'll find once they sort of open up and they start talking and, and seeing what it's feeling like and, and also encouraging them or even giving them a push to say, hey, you should go get a check for your prostate. Um, and also, you know, how, how are your balls and stuff, to be blatantly honest. You turn around and it's it starts to, well, that's what they say, no, you're nuts, so to speak. Um, <laughs> Effectively, it just encourages them to say, hey, this is this is not foreign language now. We're actually having some really comfortable conversations and I'm feeling a lot better for it. So why wouldn't we continue to do it? So um, it's something spot on exactly as Ryan sort of says. It's it's scratching the surface a little bit deeper and, and having those questions that aren't going to require a generic answer. It's going to require something a little bit more elaborate. Fantastic. We will certainly include a, a link to, to your campaign in our show notes for those who want to get involved with Movember. We're going to move on and talk to you about your uh, experience in event management um, and your role at Marvel Stadium. What, what have been some of the, the highlights you've experienced working at Marvel Stadium? It's a massive venue. You get sport. You get entertainment. What have been some of the highlights that you've experienced? Yeah, well, look, I, I came from a career at Tennis Australia, as, as you sort of covered off, which was one event um, once a year for two weeks. Um, and then you go into a building that churns out about 70 or 80 major events um, across a year. It's a, it's a different kettle of fish. And, um, you know, there's been so many great highlights over the years. I mean, um, I've been really grateful to be really involved with them um, in my role specifically. And, and some of my favourites were definitely the U2 Joshua Tree Tour, which was late in November last year, the last concert before the pandemic. And um, I was lucky enough to head that one up and 
um, for me, you know, just, just being involved in a sellout show, but most importantly, um, you know, a, a show that really stems across multiple generations was something that I really love. I mean, we don't really get much of an opportunity to pop out and see the crowd, but, you know, my boss really emphasizes, you know, you spend six months on working on a project, go out there and leave your phone, leave your radio and, and go have a look at what you've sort of worked on for the last six months for the next 10 minutes. And, you know, I popped out there. I had a fantastic opportunity to see my mum and my, my parents as well because they always come to the shows that I work on and events I work on. And um, it's, you just see all the smiling faces. And, and, again, being able to see, you know, some of the younger kids but then also some really elderly people as well really enjoying the show was something that was really special for me. Um, and then on behalf of you two, Cricket Australia Boys, another event I really loved was the KFC Big Bash League final, uh, grand final between the Melbourne Renegades and, and Melbourne Stars. And, and the Renegades got their first um, you know, championship um, in BBL history. And, and that was the event that was never meant to happen. But that's what we sort of say at Marvel Stadium. You know, the, the Renegades just achieved the impossible. And um, you boys would actually know as I've been Cricket Australia guys, um, the year before they missed out on hosting the grand final by a run. Um, I come from an ethnic background and I'm not being stereotypical in any capacity, but my mum was absolutely so confused why I cared so much about cricket at that point in time because I came <laughs> on my phone because um, I had the event literally ready to go. It was just a matter of pressing go and we said no and I just thought I've, I spent all this time on it for no reason. And the Renegades got into the same situation the year after and I was just like, oh, I was so like, oh, please don't let it happen again. I'll put my phone away. <laughs> Um, but they got up and, and they got it done and, and just being able to pull together a, a, a Melbourne Renegades, a Melbourne Stars derby, the first one in the history of, of the Big Bash League was something that was really special because, you know, we sat there planning it um, two weeks in advance and to get 40,000 tickets sold and effectively sell out the building for a first Renegades um, championship as a, as a tenant team at Marvel Stadium was something that was really special for me. But um, Rubens and Ryan, I, can, I could sort of, Go down the list, but they're probably two of the the ones that really stand right at right at the top of the list. To be honest, just because of the pure um, involvement I had, and also how we got to see how it's impacted positively so many people's lives. Because I think that's a real unique opportunity we've got um, in the major event space. One that stands out for me that I went to maybe a year ago now was the UFC, yep. where absolutely sold out and the entire sort of floor full as well. That was one of the the. A mate, like one of the great events that I've been to. But my um question I have, and like obviously events is quite a, you know, high-paced, highly stressful um sort of job to have. But how do you sort of juggle sort of all the stress that goes into it versus then the, the reward? And obviously in your role now, there's so many of those events that give you that reward. It's like is it all sort of worth the, the stress that you go through each week but – Obviously, the end product is so amazing. It depends who you're asking. Um, if you're asking me specifically, I think if you could ask some other stadium event managers with our business that have been there before and, and still are there, some might give a different answer, and, and rightfully so. I can see both sides of the uh, the coin, so to speak, but it is, it is definitely worth it. I mean, for me um, specifically, I absolutely love this industry, and um, in terms of to answer your question, I would never sit here as somebody that's been at Marvel Stadium for five years and in major events for the last seven or eight and say that, I'm the same person I am now as when I first started. At the start, I used to really get rattled from the pressure. Um, I felt like I was like, oh, I'm, I was, you know, realistically quite young. I was in my early 20s when I first broke in in an industry that's heavily dominated by people that are a little bit older. And you sort of had some self-doubt at the start. Um, and, and the pressure is quite extreme. But I, I was really lucky. I had some fantastic mentors and, and people within the business that just trusted me, trusted me to make mistakes and and once I made the mistakes, just told me that, hey, as long as we're, we're a team environment, you know, once the mistakes are done, as long as I'm saying, hey, I've made a mistake, we'll work on getting it improved and, and rectifying it quite rapidly. And, and with that, it just builds confidence. And, and for me now, I sort of go into an event, I'm a perfectionist at best, but I know I'm going to make mistakes. But I sort of look forward to the stress and anxiety and, and people call me a little bit twisted because it is quite twisted that I look forward to the adrenaline. I mean, that big bash league final, we had an emergency evacuation. I've had a, a, a multitude of other things that have sort of happened and you sort of sit there and you, you kind of embrace it and you enjoy it. And, and it's the pressure of knowing that at sometimes you've got 60,000 people's lives in your own hands with some of the decisions you make. And yeah, the pressure can get to you, but I, I've sort of mastered it now as well. And, and that's, you know, working with the Movember Foundation as well. With you know, it's, it's helped ground me because I've started to learn how to really navigate where, where that anxiety goes and and how to really thrive on it, which is something that has taken some time, but I'm really starting to enjoy it now as well. And 
um, it does get stressful and there are challenging times and sometimes you sort of drive home going, I just, you know, sort of love to revert to a career maybe in retail or something where I don't have to worry about it once I go home, but <laughs> you love it. I mean, I, I sort of say all the time, you know, I'm really lucky in, in our command post where you know, effectively the engine room of the stadium is, um, you know, I always make sure I flick the cameras on to, to egress as people are leaving and um, I get to see, you know, family smile and stuff like that. And for me, you know, seeing my mum and dad in the stands as well when they come to an event and, and they're loving life as well, I think for me, um, you know, there, there's no greater um, you know, incentive for, for all the hard work that you sort of um, work towards because it's it's such a sacrificial job. Um, you sacrifice your life for 60,000 people to have a, a good time. Um, and I just love the idea that, you know, they come into the building with the pressures of life, whether it's, you know, stresses financially or if it stresses with their job or family or whatever it may be. And for the next couple of hours, whether it's a sports or entertainment event, they just wipe their head clear and, and have a fun time. So for me, that's that's definitely where, where I remain beneficial and, and, and absolutely love this major events industry because we've the power to impact so many people with, with one event. I think given everything that's gone on, there'd be a lot of students out there who are kind of wondering about a future career in the sports industry. But I think what you just described then probably paints a clear picture of why it's still absolutely worth pursuing. And uh, I was at that BBL final. Were you responsible for replacing the chair that uh, Aaron Finch <laughs> smashed on his way out of, out of the ground? <laughs> yes. I didn't really see that until the footage went off, but one of my staff members actually told me that someone broke in the chair with their cricket bat, and I'm like, who's done that? And then you see the footage, you're like, oh, okay, I see why he's done that. And I think it is, so I'm definitely not going to say anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this year's obviously been extremely challenging. What What has... Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that, that you've faced and you've seen the event industry face? Obviously, there's no events, but what does that actually mean when you're working in it day to day? Yeah, I mean, um, when you sort of speak about a pandemic um, full of social distancing or physical distancing is what I sort of like to sort of leverage it towards. Um, you know, the first things that you sort of think about is, you know, governments all around the world want people to not be in groups. So, what is a major event? It's just full of mass people. So, you know, much like the um, the, the airline industry, but, you know, the major event sector is something where, you know, we're going to be the first to close and we're going to be the last to reopen. And that's the perfect example of this pandemic because end of the day, apparently science sort of says that when people are in the one room together um, by the masses, it's when, when a, a virus can sort of spread. So, um, for me, you know, as, as a stadium event manager off Marvel Stadium, coming off 2020, uh, 2019 as the busiest year in the stadium's history to the quietest year, it was a real transition, I'm not going to lie. Um, for me, um, it's it's been, I'm going to call it a blessing in disguise for some aspects. It's been really challenging for the industry because um, the industry is going to take some, some time to recover, most certainly. I mean, when you look at how much money is reven- uh, revenue is generated, whether it's across um, here or abroad, in our leagues and, and so on and so forth and, and major events, it's it's massive because what people don't realise is as much as we have a concert at Marvel Stadium, it impacts a lot more people because, you know, these days events aren't just going to the, the venue, it's door to door. So from the moment you leave your driveway to the moment you get back home, so that's, you know, you might stop over and grab petrol, you might go for dinner, you might catch public transport, you might book a hotel, you might go and get a coffee for, before the show from the shop that's open outside the stadium. It impacts so many people's lives. So um, the the major events industry has been absolutely decimated. Um, and, and the confidence that I've got is that it's definitely going to come back. And, and that's one thing I'll definitely say for the graduates out there. Everybody, no matter what they do with these camera angles on TV and, and recorded concerts and so on and so forth, nothing will ever sort of, um, you know, challenge the, the experience of being there live. But um, the industry has been really, really crippled. And, and for me personally, it's been challenging. I got stood down from my role at Marvel Stadium as well, um, much like probably 80% of the business, so to speak, or even a little bit more. Um, and I've been forced to sort of see that, you know, off the back of the pandemic, there's a lot of good people within the business that have been made redundant. And for me, as much as I love the industry, I love the people that I work with. So um, seeing how many, you know, really talented people um, have now left the industry um, specifically for, for this point in time has, has been really, really tough to swallow. But like I sort of said, I'm, I'm really keeping the faith of what we're seeing happening in now in, in Western Australia and the Gabba and, and Adelaide, Adelaide Oval, like we're having 30,000 people back in these stadiums. So I think Melbourne's just the bad kid of the country at the moment and the final piece of the, the puzzle, so to speak. And 
And once we sort of get it all sorted out here, I, I think 2021 is going to be a, a much better year, definitely on the sporting and, and, and national competition front. So in a in a normal year without this this weird pandemic that's currently around, um, what does the what does the role of the event manager at Marvel Stadium look like, and what sort of like a typical day to day look like, or what are the tasks that you, you have to do each day? Yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple ways you can go about it. I mean, when you look to a, a football game, it's it's it gets relatively um, a little bit more simple um, because there is that platform to work on. But once it comes to a concert, which I'll probably speak to a little bit more, um, there are some greater challenges. So, um, as much as I'm an event manager, I almost say it's more like a project manager role, so to speak. Um, so you're involved in everything from um, you know making sure whatever they've included in the contract is outlined in the event from everything um, that's agreed upon between the hirer of the venue and then also um, the venue itself. Um, but preparing event estimates, so um, working with our venue sales department to sort of say, hey, if you know Cricket Australia is coming to run a big bash league final as a one-off, this is what it's going to cost them to run the event here, and that's in factoring in all our operational costs and. And sometimes, you know, you you come close to the mark and you know sort of what you need. Um, but for the concerts where it's an event that you sort of haven't done before, you're sort of shooting a little bit blind and, and that number changes along the way. Um, but then we're also heavily involved in everything from, you know, the customer service perspective of where staff are going to be located. So how much staff I want, where I want them located. So, you know, if I've got 20,000 people coming in from Gate 7, well, I'm going to staff that a little bit heavier than Gate 1. That's got 5,000 people. Um, so working with our... Um, our casual staffing team there and workforce planning team to make sure that we can deliver that. But then heavy involvement with the security aspect and emergency management. So, um, you know, for a concert, working with the security team from the artists, so uh, making sure that the venue is going to present really safely to the security standards that the artists want um, and their management want, uh, but then also making sure it's a safe environment for everybody that's coming into it. Also working with um, our catering provider in this instance, which is Delaware North. So um, speaking about where um, what we're going to have open and, and when. So making sure that if it's a 60,000-person event, um, we've got everything open. So um, Ruben, when he wants his meat pie and, and Coke Zero or whatever it may be, he, he's, he's going to have to walk the shortest amount possible. We don't want him having to flick half across uh, half the way across the other side of the stadium to get it because we all know he, how Ruben is when he doesn't get his meat pie. He wouldn't, yeah, he wouldn't walk that far. <laughs> he, he'd have to. It, it's 10 metres max. That's it. You've got to have that <laughs> exactly. meat pie. But also, make sure I have a Coke Zero. Can't have a, a full Coke. No, yeah. <laughs> balance, mate. It's all about balance. Um, but then um, also um, working with you know all different other elements of the venue, so car parking as well, and, and making sure what that looks like. Um, and then effectively, it's um, making sure that you know the ticketing department's really good as well. So making sure they're understanding where we want people to come in through, you know, flow and ingress and egress, and understanding where they want people that are sitting up on level three or forty three, exactly what the best route is there for them for the customer service perspective to get to their seat. Um, and then including other different elements like the overall customer experience about what what we're sort of saying, how, you know, when you come in, how you present it, how you don't have to sort of barge past people that, you know, exactly where, um, you know, the toilets are located and, and knowing exactly what your food offerings are. And if you're a healthy food person or you're gluten-free, where you can get them from and working with those um, respective um, areas to make sure that the communication perspective is, is really covered off and, and the overarching com- communication. I mean, if you look to some events, you know, when we have a Essendon game for 50,000 people nearing on, making sure that we're encouraging people through social media that arrive early and, and having those endpoints and, and, and communication piece with the marketing communications department to make sure the messages that we want getting out are getting out. Um, and then probably the second part of that all is um, on the event day is actually delivering what you've planned. So, um, you know, you, you sit up in the control room with cameras that can definitely see um, exactly what um, Ryan's texting Ruben about um, at all times and, and understanding, making sure that we can keep the place safe. But, you know, working in that room and, and managing when people come in, um, what they're doing while they're on. So, you know, God forbid if there's an altercation or whatever it may be, um, making sure that, you know, you're covering off on, uh, on on all those different elements to make sure it's a safe environment for everybody and, and, and with any other issues that arise. So if there's a power failure or um, if there's a gas leak, you know, working as, as a critical part of the emergency management structure to make sure that everybody that comes in that building comes in safely and, and leaves safely because it's a, the uh, the number one priority for everybody at Marvel Stadium is making sure it's a safe environment for everybody that comes, but then also making sure it's a, a fantastic event delivered for, for the person that's hiring the event, uh, hiring the venue, so to speak. And, and then the final piece is 
once the event's done and dusted, is sort of debriefing it and, and making sure if anything went wrong, because I'll guarantee you firsthand something always does go wrong to an extent, um, that that doesn't happen again moving forward. So making sure we cover off on everything that happened in the event um, to make sure that we can sort of use it for future advice moving forward. I think that's one of the more comprehensive answers on their role that we've ever had on the Sports Grab podcast, <laughs> and I cannot love it any more. Ruben, do you reckon? I mean, if it's not the top, it's top two. Oh, I can't think of another one. Can you? Uh, I was thinking exactly the same thing. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm glad I'm in the pocket that I am and not running major events in Marvel Stadium because that sounds incredibly complicated and a lot to digest. Um, but that's awesome. Like that's essentially like everything you need to know if you want to get into that. Um, um, how do you reckon you'd go with that, Ryan? Um Look, I, I like the control room. Uh, you know, I, I like that, uh, and maybe maybe the wind down that'd be good. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm that it, it, that is genuinely comprehensive, um, and I'm yeah. all for you know reducing steps to probably not the pie line, but maybe the, the cold beverage line for me would be. Oh yes, great. yes. great Clear to that. hear that that is that's part of your role. Plenty of those. <laughs> Out, out, just out of interest, and we can we can totally cut this out if if it's too sensitive or what. But if I wanted to book Marvel Stadium for one night, say I wanted to host the the Wycliffe Cricket Club uh, annual presentation night, and I needed all sixty thousand seats of the stadium for one night of the year, <laughs> what's like the off the shelf cost for Marvel Stadium? If I want to hire it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a question I get asked all the time, and probably my number one person that asks me is my mum. Believe it or not, because I don't know why she asks me, but she does. She just likes to know what it's worth. But it's it really it's it's so versatile, and, and you don't have to cut it out. It's it's really dependent on um, what the event is, how many people it's going to bring in, what the operating costs are, what the ticket prices are. Like, there's so many different facets of our operating costs that you know you really have to come and say. What are you doing? How many people are coming? How many people are you expecting to come? What do you sort of need? What's the event sort of like? What's the type like? What are the behaviourals, demographics? There's so many different facets that sort of yeah, behavior that will give. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, you know, you know, there's there's so many different cogs that sort of go into it. Also, um, it's a bit more than just a simple hey. If you go on a Saturday, it's you know X amount. Um, there's a few different elements that sort of come into it because, you know, it could be based off. And, again, I'm, I'm not completely an expert in the venue sales space, but, you know, if, if you're guaranteeing that the cricket club's going to be there seven times a year, well, obviously your price is going to improve because you're guaranteeing seven events opposed to somebody that's going to be there once. So, um, generally speaking, there's a, there's a bit to go into that part. But I'm thankful that they sort of do that on the back end and they just sort of tell me what they've, they've signed up to and then I, I make sure I put it on and, and try and do it to the best of our ability and hopefully it's world class. Say we say we need every single seat plus a little podium in the middle so that Ryan can go up and get his awards. What's like a, a ballpark figure? I actually, I actually don't have one, to be honest. I, I actually don't have a ballpark figure because it, it changes um, really dependent. Um, and, again, it's, it's probably something that I'm not included everything on. But if it's for Ryan, I'd be looking in the millions, surely. You know, yeah. Just the risk. The risk well, that comes with Ryan walking into our building, I mean, the, yeah. the Victoria Police is just going to have to bloody recruit from well, now. I was thinking, you know, if the UFC had an octagon in the middle, it's practically a bit of a similar event. You know, there's an octagon there, you know, the crowd obviously <laughs> around there. Um, we'll have a few of the juniors down onto the ground room. So, we're looking at several million. I'm sure the UFC would have paid several million given they're only there <laughs> once, maybe yeah, I mean, once a year. So uh, similar sort of operation, the Wycliffe end-of-year ball or presentation night. Um, don't know what awards I'm getting, though, Rube. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is interesting. Participation. <laughs> Participation yeah. for the eye grade. That's, that's mine. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. still an award. Still goes in the trophy cabinet, I'd say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> E-Ray, if you had to pick three crucial skills for your role, what would they be? Yeah, I think the first one definitely is um, communication. Um, you know, I think in life in general as well, it's one of the most transferable skills there are. I mean, if you're a good communicator, um, you'll make it in the event management game because that's what it's all about. Nobody cares about who's right or wrong. It's just that you're communicating what's going right and what's going wrong and everybody knows exactly what you've got planned because um, with communication comes, you know, you're, you're outlining your plans and, and there's other people in there. I mean, it's such a collaborative space. Um, major events is, uh, you know, you don't know it all. Um, and talking about it and what you've got planned and the way you're planning on doing it, 
um, really is, is an important part of it. So communication is really important. And that also stems down to your hires. So if you're communicating to them in real life and real time, um, how things are progressing and, and, and any issue that sort of arises, they're going to be really respectful for it. And, and same with, um, you know, if an issue was to arise, if it's an altercation or whatever it may be, if you're communicating with Victoria Police and the executive team and, and whoever else needs to know about it in that vicinity, well, it's effectively one of the most important parts because it stops the issue getting bigger and it, it helps diffuse it quite quickly and, and making sure that it's addressed quite quite quickly. Um, the next one would definitely be relationship management, um, really, really important. Um so for me, half half of my job is making sure that our tenant teams and, and clubs, whether it's in the A League, the AFL, or the Big Bash, um, are happy with how their major event day is is presenting, and and a lot of that is is really becoming a part of them. As much as I'm a Marvel Stadium employee, and and a lot of my football clubs that I manage um, within the club or, or within the stadium will say that I effectively become a part of, of of their team because I want their event days to be as 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 well run as possible and understanding that they've got their needs and not just saying, hey, well, this is the way Marvel Stadium does it. It's it's trying to not bend some rules but make some sacrifices and, and, and some fresh new ideas to make sure that we've got that, um, you know, making sure that we're giving the, the best opportunity for everybody that's coming to the events to have the best time possible. So managing that relationship and being honest and having hard conversations is something that's really important. Um, and then the final part it would be um, sort of, um, you know, a trait would be keeping calm. And I think we've covered off on it as well, and, and it probably doesn't need to go too much more in depth, but things go really wrong. I'm not going to lie. I've had some really bad stuff happen to me during my career, and I'm so grateful that it happened. But keeping calm throughout it all and, and knowing that, you know, you're still going to find a way to make it a safe situation. And, yeah, it's going to be tough to debrief, and you're going to have some really crap conversations about it. And, you know, you sort of look back and you've made mistakes and you'll play it over in your head. But keeping calm when you make those decisions and just trusting your judgment is something that's really, really important to probably – close out that third puzzle piece, Ruben. What uh, what were some things you, you didn't expect when you sort of became the event manager of Marvel Stadium? I probably didn't expect. I think for me, I came off working, um, you know, in major dance music festivals and then um, into the Australian Open. I was so used to doing these one-off events, so to speak, that I didn't realise how quick the venue can transition. Um, perfect example is, you know, you go from major events one night to – uh, you know, an AFL game to a soccer game the next night, and it's literally just the transition is ridiculous. I think one of my favourite ones was Adele did two record-breaking 77,000 shows, 77,000 people shows in 2017, and then seven or eight days later we had round one of the AFL. Like this is just stuff where I sort of go, hey, I didn't realise a venue could transition that quickly. Um, and, and I sort of didn't realise that, you know, to do that, I didn't realise that it was actually quite a relatively small team. Like we had a full-time workforce of about 60 people um, or 70 people, whatever it may have been, um, to do these major events. And you sort of sit back and go, hey, you'd think this is a hundreds of people operation. And um, I always sort of sit back and as I sort of chat through my my job and what I sort of do, and, and in, for me, I'm, I'm really grateful because that exposure has been so beneficial for my development. At age 27 now and you know, when I first got into the building, I was around 22, 23, with that extensive, you know, domain in 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 my my job description, so to speak. I've learned so much, and I've been exposed to so much. Um, and and with that, I've you know, there, there's no greater piece that you sort of find along the way than and then with a smaller workforce because you're forced to do things that you probably um, didn't think you would do and, and wouldn't fall into part of your domain. But you become this really close knit nature of a team um, to put off incredible, put on incredible experiences for thousands of people. Awesome and. Eero, what, what do you see the near future looking like uh, for the stadium and the events industry uh, in Melbourne as we're starting to open up and around the world, which is a different situation? Yeah, for sure. And and to cover off on, on the world as well, I, I, I do do quite extensive networking with our counterparts in the US and, and also friends in Europe as well. And, and right now the industry is crippled, I'm not going to lie, whether you're looking at the NFL that have, you know, 10,000 people in their stadiums at the moment and the Major League Baseball that just finished the World Series in Texas for some reason um, because it was the only place that was sort of allowing crowds for, you know, half the capacities as well. Um, and then look no further than here. As much as we had, you know, the Gabba um, hosting the grand final, it wasn't at a full capacity and, and the grand final had 30,000 people instead of 100,000 people at the G. But um, one thing I do want to emphasise to anybody that's really interested in the industry, but also, um, you know, whether it's just in general or if looking to get in, the events industry is going to be back. I'll give you my word. And again, I don't know that and I'm not a, you know, a 
uh, got any experience in medicine or any capacity like that, but it's always going to bounce back. There's the demand and the need to do it. So I think I can see the industry coming back hard and, and coming back bigger and better than ever before because as we speak about, you know, I always say that, you know, the example of the St Kilda vs GWS game at 440, back end of the year probably gets 12,000 people. I think everybody's going to turn up to a ribbon cutting now. Like everybody just wants to get out and about. So um, I think the industry is going to bounce back in, in, in a big way because as much as, um, you know, the world stop, you know, these musical artists that drag in 60,000 people or an Ed Sheeran that brings in 250,000 over four days, these guys are at home recording music right now. So with music being recorded comes a world tour. And with, you know, not having full NFL stadiums or full AFL stadiums, people are just urging and, and hanging to get out of their, their seats at home to sort of get into the real stuff. So as that starts to build back, you know, these teams that have been decimated and, and, and sort of lost lost some um, employees along the way, they're going to look to rebuild. So there's a fantastic wealth of opportunity. And, and in an industry that is um, really dominated by a lot of people that have been in the industry for quite some time, a lot of those people will move out now. So there's a wealth of opportunity in this major event space and, um, one thing I'd say is definitely just watch it over the next 12 months or 12 to 18 months whenever we do recover because um, it's going to come back and it's going to come back relatively hard and, and there's going to be some really cool events that come with it. I think, um, you know, I think most people would love a bit of, bit of North Gold Coast at Marvel Stadium at 4.40pm on a, on a Sunday afternoon, have a nice beer and some chips. I think that would go down very, very nicely right about now. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't think of anything better. Like I said, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I better be careful what I say here. But nevertheless, uh, <laughs> go north, eh? <laughs> yeah, go go the Marvel tenants. Fantastic, yeah. we, yeah. <laughs> we're supporting them. Um, <laughs> no, nah, well, what I mean, I don't mean by anything bad by that. I just mean you know any football. We don't need a sixty thousand in there. It doesn't doesn't matter at all. Um, and I think people are also craving jumping up and down to some music. So. I think once this is all done, there'll be a rush to whoever is playing. I don't think it will matter. I think everyone will just want to get involved in some capacity. No, you're exactly right. I think that's right. Just the demand to get out and about and and go and grab a feed beforehand and have a couple of drinks with with some mates and just the atmosphere that comes with it. I mean, it's a little bit different and and that's what I'm looking most excited to as, as much as um, you know, I really love the big ones and the 50,000, 60,000 people. There's nothing better as a full Marvel Stadium. You know, I'm still grateful for when the opportunity comes to welcome people back into our building because I think it's um, a really good positive space for, for people to sort of get back into. What are um, thinking now sort of for students who want to get their foot in the door uh, in order to build a career in events management? Obviously, tough at the moment, but as you said, it's going to bounce back. What are some ways that sort of students can put their best foot forward to get a leg up to to get into sports events? Yeah, as as much as we say it's tough right now, I say it's actually the best time to sort of do it. Um, right now, you've got to um, build your network. Um, I'm I'm sure countless people have probably said it along the way, but uh, event management is a very small industry, um, very very small. I can't emphasise that enough. It's literally um, a lot of people about you know that you know and you, and you know from the moment you started your career to the moment now you know seven eight years in. The way I sort of say is the way to get a leg up is to separate yourself from the rest. So when I first started off, um, I was you know I built my LinkedIn profile, which was average at best, and I was reaching out to people at the venues that I wanted to work at. Um, so when I sort of looked to you know speaking to people at Melbourne Olympic Park and Tennis Australia and um, but then also in the music events industry as well and connecting with them on LinkedIn and, and seeing if they'd be willing to grab a coffee with me um, and just have a chat. Um, and, and I did that. And again, you know, for me, that was fantastic because when these, you know, entry-level positions came available, I could really reach out to these guys already and they sort of knew my story and all of a sudden they know me as a person. So one piece of advice I'd say right now is amidst the pandemic, with major events being paused right now, it's probably the best opportunity to get your foot in the door. So build your LinkedIn profile and and, and reach out to people that you want to work for and, and in an industry that you want to work for, if it's, you know, here or abroad or whatever the, the sporting code may be or entertainment code may be, and, and just reach out to them and say if they'd be willing to have a phone call with you for, for 20 minutes and just, just chew their ear off a little bit and, and, and get that advice from them and also hear about their journey because one thing I sort of learned is that um, people love talking about themselves and, and their journey, and, and I'm an advocate for it as well. I really enjoy talking about my journey now as well. Um, and with that, they've, they've got a wealth of advice because everybody sort of knows something that you don't, um, and especially in this industry, if they can sort of speak to somebody that they believe is a, a really good up-and-comer, um, it's going to give you that exposure to sort of get a leg up rather than just submitting your resume 
um, straight in from the get-go over Seek or whatever the platform may be. Well, you've got a fantastic journey, which is why we love having you on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining us. We've got one more question before we wrap up. And that is one of the um, one of the really common interview questions is tell us about a time where you've had to demonstrate your initiative. And students at the moment have a great opportunity within grassroots clubs and within university societies to to run events. So I'm wondering what what part of your job could they implement into the events that they're running now? Is there a tool that you use, or is there a part of the process that professionals are doing that isn't taken into account? at a grassroots level that students could start to implement and then use that example in an interview down the track to say, um, this is something I learned learnt or heard that a professional is doing in their day job at Marvel Stadium. Therefore, I wanted to apply it to my football club to increase the quality of our events. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I looked to the start of my career, one of the first events I ran was a 400-person basketball tournament um, and, and I generated charity money for, for multiple sclerosis because um, I had a personal connection with there um, as well. And, and that's one thing I'd say is look to align charity with what you're doing at these grassroots um, roots levels because it shows what your character is as well, but it will also give you that exposure of saying, hey, I'm working with building these relationships with, with these charities um, and then also implementing some really cool tasks of putting an event on. Um, at this, Whether it's at a grassroots level or, or not, it's irrelevant because you're still dealing with people and people, no matter what they are, are, are an important part of, of major events. Um, so I'd definitely say focus on the relationship management and whether that be, you know, you come into a club and you're dealing with the relationships with the football club, but then also the charity. But then you're also going to remember the, the relationship with the people that are there as well. So all of a sudden you're, you're managing those relationships along the way. It's definitely something that's transferable and, and applicable moving forward. But then also the charity aspect, I think it's really important because it's a very selfless job. Um, major events and, and being an event manager in, in any capacity and, and multiple event managers all around the world will agree with me. Um, and effectively, it, it just shows that you've got that selfless nature from the get-go to put on a really good event for a really good cause and, and for a really good club for, for the benefit of everybody. Awesome. I, I love what you said earlier around when you're talking about what you do in your day-to-day job and um, part of it is that review after an event to analyse what went well, what didn't go well. And I think that's something that's probably overlooked um, when people are in those volunteer positions at sporting clubs or in university societies that could just take the quality of those events up um, ever so slightly but then if a review becomes part of your um, regular event management then you know the club is going to go bank gangbusters after a couple of years for sure i mean you look at all these local football clubs i guarantee every year they're doing a ball potentially a man oh man or whatever it may be as well and these are all events that are reoccurring all of a sudden you start to build on them and you get that good exposure from them all and they improve year on year, I think it's a perfect example of what you say of, of debriefing and, and then working towards improving it the year after. Mm. And, and like it's definitely hard because you've got people changing over hands all the time with volunteers coming in and out. But I think it really just takes one person to say, hey, these are the five questions we're going to ask ourselves after each event and then that becomes the norm. Correct. Yeah, most certainly. Agree completely. Is that where you got the idea, Rubes, for the Wycliffe ball to bring in the ice cream machine? I think that was maybe a bit of feedback from years previous. Um, yeah, obviously yeah. that took the event to the next level. So, um, and using the Mighty Junction Oval as well. So we've gone one below Marvel, but we're well on well on course to make it there one day. So. Hey, we, we, yeah. we, just, we just sell ice creams. We don't actually have a proper ice cream machine. So I think Ruben's got one up on Marvel at the moment, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> he, he's well on the way. It's it's happening. <laughs> the, uh, yes. the, feedback was, the feedback was there was not enough ice cream at the event, so we, we fixed that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any, so... <laughs> when you say feedback, well, was we'll, it just from Ryan 10 times over saying it was my ice cream or was it actually yeah. <laughs> feedback? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Ryan was like, oh, Ruben, can you change this? Can you fix that? What's going on over here? So thank you, Ryan. No problem. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we better wrap it up there. Eray, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your story and sharing the importance of Movember. For anybody who's keen to get involved, we'll have a link in our show notes where you can check out Eray's campaign. You can grow a mow yourself or you can contribute to the great work that Eray's doing. Um, and then what you've been able to share with us in terms of your role at Marvel Stadium was just incredibly insightful, insightful to understand 
what goes on behind the scenes of these major, major events um, and some of the critical skills that you need to be successful in it. And it's awesome to hear whilst there is a lot of doom and gloom commentary about events out there to actually understand your perspective of what's coming in the future and what we should be prepared for is is pretty exciting too to hear that, you know, events are going to bounce back hard, which just makes so much sense. Uh, I think if people can get that in their minds and, and keep on track and have that kind of guide their career, then that's going to be a positive thing. So thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. No, nah, it's my pleasure. And I think as well, Ruben and Ryan, one thing I'll close off with is I just found that when I was at university, we'd have some fantastic people that would come and present and you'd sort of, you know, leave feeling that you've you've got a bit of an insight and then you'd never be able to connect with them again. So, you know, I can't sit here and say to people, reach out to people on LinkedIn um, and so on and so forth. If, if I didn't put myself out there and say, hey, if anybody that's listening to this podcast wants to get in touch, I'm more than happy to have a chat with people, especially aspiring event managers, because for me, People did it when I was coming up the ranks and, and still do it to this day now. There's still a lot of people that I picked the brain off. So if I can pay it forward and if anybody wanted to reach out and have a chat, my my um, my um, door's always open, so to speak, and, and flick us a message, connect with me on LinkedIn or whatever it may be, and, and I'm more than happy to have a chat. But I've absolutely loved getting on board with you guys today. It's um, been an absolute pleasure and, and looking forward to how you guys sort of grow as well because you're doing a fantastic job and, and providing such a great platform for these young up-and-coming sports graduates to get their foot in the industry. So looking forward to watching that all transpire as well. Thank you very much. It's very, very kind. And uh, we've had some great feedback from other guests about students getting in touch with them. So it's awesome to hear that people are putting that into action. And thanks for offering yourself to those students who want to get in touch with yourself. That's all from us. Thank you very much for, for listening. A reminder to please hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Please drop us a rating, preferably five stars. Leave us a review if you're inclined. It really does mean so much and helps us put together the show for you with more sensational guests such as E-Ray. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 